Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon. I am Michelle Lichty, and I am here today with Rob Iman. Hello, everyone. And Rob, we are here today to discuss your sermon from this past Sunday, uh, Life of Love in the Father um, from John 14, verses 1 through 23. There you go. That's why I'm here, too. Wow, what a coincidence. What a coincidence. Here we are together. And um, I... We talk, you mentioned in your sermon on Sunday that you wanted to discuss a specific topic a little bit more deeply today, which we will get to, but I want to start with um, verse uh, one, Hmm. don't let your heart be troubled, believe in God or trust in God and trust also in me. And I, I think in our staff devotions, you gave us a printout of the, of the passage that you preached from. And I put a box around that verse because I just thought, oh man, it's easy to be overwhelmed by the troubles of this world and think that the disciples had it a lot easier than we do, which they didn't they had a different right they had their own troubles and you kind of talked a lot about talked about that a little bit at the beginning of the sermon dangerous times um that they were living in there was a hit out on jesus um the police the priests were planning to arrest him they're like if there's a hit on jesus then we're pretty close after that like we want to get rid of these disciples and um so their troubles were different but jesus still said trust in me. It'll be okay. Yeah. And and he also said, don't let your hearts be troubled, which I Mm -hmm. find to be a fascinating statement. Um, You know, we can be worried a lot, but the Lord tells us that we have a choice. We can choose to put our trust in him. And and so we don't have to worry. Uh, We don't have to be bothered. No, quoting from Psalm 42, why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put Put your hope in God. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the the psalmists and uh, do this and they, wait, who was it that was it wasn't the vagrius was one of these uh, early monks <laughs> who talked about cutting yourself in two and and being able to look in on your life and say and 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 speak truth to this part of your life that is not in alignment with what jesus would have for you mm. uh, and that's kind of what they were doing they were splitting themselves in two and speaking to themselves why are you so downcast and so um don't let your heart be troubled. Wow, that's that's it. I, I'll tell you. I'll tell you, Michelle. I it just seems to me that our current situation in um, our personal lives, with COVID, with families going through what they're going through, uh, physical issues that are taking place. Uh, you know, there's all that going on, and then we layer on top of that what's going on nationally with all the segmentation and fragmentation and. And all the arguments about mask this and don't do this and all this other stuff and family and just ugly stuff there. And then internationally with what's going on in Ukraine, um, the ongoing stuff in Syria and around the world, 
uh, it just it just layers and layers and layers and just begins to weigh down upon us. And so Jesus's words, "Don't let your hearts be troubled," are more than just poetic niceties. Um, there's a real application for us in that. Mm-hmm. Right, and it implies that we have a choice. It implies we have a choice. Yeah, like we can choose to allow our hearts to be troubled, or we can choose to trust. And there's a reason we can have peace. That's one of the things you said. We, we, there's a reason you can, we can choose peace because we can trust in Jesus. Yeah. And, it, and it's not, it's not a, um, you know, a, a Ted Lasso kind of happiness, <laughs> you know, bopping along, even though he's blowing bad around you. you know, it, it's a recognition. You know, trust, you trust in God. That's good. Well, trust also in me. Um, that there is a, a stability, a reality, a promise um, that goes beyond the circumstances we feel. And so, so one, of those, um, one of those lines that stands out to me, because as I get into these sermons, I mean, the Lord speaks to me in the midst of them too. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, that struck me in this was um, the, uh, the reality that, that God's promises to me carry a greater weight than the circumstances around me. Mm. Um, so I'm not a Pollyanna in this. I am, I am very grounded to realism, very grounded to the truth of what is, what God has given. He's the way, the truth and the life, uh, so that I don't have to be troubled by it. Yeah. It may not turn out the way I want at the time. Yeah. I could lose everything in this world, but there are certain things that are untouchable and, uh, it's, it's not a pie in the sky when you die kind of thing. It's a very present right now. Jesus is walking with me and it's going to be okay. Hmm. I keep thinking about, <clears throat> it was last fall or last summer when David was talking about um, Isaiah and I can't remember the chapter name, chapter number, but the, um, the imagery of, of um, walking through the fires or walking through the floods Mm -hmm. that we're not alone, that God is with us. Mm -hmm. So those things will happen. There will be fires, there will be floods, there will be hard things, but we are not alone in it. Right. Yeah. I think it's 43 ish somewhere in there that the, um, that uh, Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. There's something about the suffering we experience. There's something about the fires we go through and the waters that seem to sweep over us that don't really sweep over us, that don't really consume us. Mm-hmm. But it's the, it's the application of our faith in the midst of the trial that brings about a, well, the Apostle Paul would, call, would call it a glory that far outweighs them all, um, Second right. Corinthians chapter four. Yeah. You know, um, so, so there is something in this and how we relate to the troubles of this world that produces in us a fruit that we don't fully get because all we want to do is get this get the struggle off of us mm-hmm. but there's going through it christ is in there we know him in the fellowship of his sufferings and he does a work that's just mind-numbing and beautiful for us mm. yeah yeah i want to turn the corner now to verse 12 Oh, Jesus says, (laughs) where you said, we'll talk about this more on Facebook live. And I was like, oh, note to self. (laughs) 
Yeah, well, I, I said, you know, one of the toughest things about doing a sermon is you got a time box, right? You got this, you got this 25 minute box, you got to put things in. And uh, there are certain things, I'll tell you, at most, my first draft of what I'm going to say is usually around 50 minutes in length. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, yeah. oh, we can do this and that. And, and so and so I knew there'd be people uh, because that's a question I get all the time. What does it mean for the words? So that's why I stuck it out there to say. And and I was giving a plug for your wonderful thing you do. Yeah, yeah. I know. I was like, yeah. that's two birds, one stone. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So let's remind people what verse 12 says. I don't. Do you have your Bible right there? I got it. Yeah. Uh, verse 12. I'll read it from this one. Um, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Now, there's two amazing promises. First of all, he says, truly, truly, and I mentioned that, amen, 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 amen. Um, What? That that was that was his double use of that word that was saying, "Listen up, this is something that I really want you to know about." Mm-hmm. And he's he's making the point. I mean, throughout the scriptures, throughout the gospels, in particular, you see it again and again, where Jesus says, "Those who receive me receive the Father. Those who receive you receive me. Those who receive me receive the Father." There's this strong connection between um, in, in in the ministry line of things. Mm-hmm. And um, and the works that Jesus was doing were the Father's works and the Father's words. We're supposed to do Jesus's words and Jesus's works. Uh, we are his authorized representatives. So all of this is coming together, which means we are going to do the works that Jesus did. And he goes on to say that even greater works will you do. And a lot of folks have wondered, what does that mean? And I'm yeah. not going to say, what's that? I said, yeah, what does that mean? Does greater that mean? works I'm not going to be the Jesus. one to say, oh, I know what that means. But I think <laughs> I've got a, I mean, the handle that I, uh, that I understand. Um, you know, we've got to put it in context. First of all, Jesus is bringing comfort to his disciples. He knows they are really disquieted by all this news. Someone is going to betray Jesus. Uh, there's a hit out on him. I've never heard it put that way before. <laughs> but I mean, you're from you're from Illinois, which has a lot of uh, strange yeah, things that go crime on. connections. <laughs> yeah, crime connections. That's right. Not me on. personally, but <laughs> just want to clarify um, that. <laughs> yeah, thank you for that clarification. So, I mean, so he was saying this to bring comfort to them. So there's something about these words that brings comfort to the disciples. They all know they're going to be doing the works that he has, that he has done. And they even have been sent out already. The, the 12 sent out and the 72 sent out. And the Lord, even the demons are subject to us, you know. And so they've seen some of these things happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but what does it mean to do greater works? Um, there's a couple of different ways in this. First of all, uh, it's connected to glory, to giving glory to the Father. Uh, mm-hmm. The only reason, the only reason we do these works is to give glory to the Father, not to us. That's yes. what I've heard people talk about. Yeah, we'll be able to fly. You know, we should be able to. You know, no, it's not. You know, it's like that brings that brings glory to me. It doesn't bring glory to Jesus. It doesn't bring glory to the right. Father. Uh, uh, so, so there's a couple different layers to this. I think first of all, and this is the one that makes some good sense to me. They both make good sense to me. One is greater works that we will do um, in terms of volume of works. Jesus did a lot while he walked this planet, but he was just one man doing this stuff. We're going to have men and women all over the world 
who are doing Jesus's works and speaking his words as his authorized representatives. And yes, there will be miracles. And I think that I think that one of the struggles that we have living in the Western church um, is that our culture is so bent on science that we kind of lean toward that. But we've all heard Pastor David talk about his trip to Nepal and how one of the evangelistic tools that they use is uh, performing healings in hospitals because hospitals aren't that effective. And so Christians go into hospitals and heal in the name of Jesus and people walk out of the hospital healed and they want to know more about this God that healed them. We don't have that. You go to hospitals and say, I got healed because I got the meds I need, you know? Um, so, so there are works going on around the world that we don't see as much uh, mm-hmm. just around cultural context. But that, but, you know, more work, greater works than Jesus did are going on as far as numbers are concerned. But I also wonder if greater works um, could also go this way. Not, not that we are doing, I mean, who's, who's going to do a greater work than raising somebody who's been dead for four days? I mean, that's a pretty great work. That's an awesome work. Yeah. It's an awesome work. You know, I mean, I, I, I can't imagine um, one of Jesus's followers doing something greater than that. So greater, I think, means something different. And I wonder if it means this. Um, for, for the son of God to uh, raise the dead is an amazing thing. For a sinful, redeemed human to raise the dead is absolutely stellar. Wow. That is something mm. simple. For a surgeon to remove an inflamed appendix in a modern-day hospital operating room at peacetime with generator backups and all things sterile, that's amazing. But for a first mate in a submarine submerged in enemy waters during World War II using alcohol from torpedo tubes and bent spoons to hold the muscles back, uh, and the sailor recovers in 13 days and is back on duty. That's an amazing work. That's a greater work than any surgeon has ever done because of who the first mate was, who had never done that before. That's a true story, by the way. And hmm. it's, a, it's a beautiful story. I mean, if, you, if you Googled Sea Dragon World War II, it's the story of, or Sea, sea Dragon Epidectomy World War II you probably get the story. It's all out there. You got pictures and everything. And that's one of the illustrations I was going to use, but didn't have time to use because <laughs> <laughs> my box wasn't big enough. Um, that's uh, a pretty amazing story. It's an amazing story, but it's a great picture, word picture too, Yeah. Of, of how we do greater works because I shouldn't be expected to be able to see a life redeemed, to be able to see a life mm. turned around, to see someone come to faith in Jesus and watch and watch alcoholism or watch bad relationships or watch other things just melt away from this person's life. And yet yeah. that happens. How that's phenomenal that fallen Rob Iman can see can see lives change before his eyes. I mean, I mean, I, I'll, you know, for so I mean, yeah, I've seen miracles. And one yeah. of the most one of the most profound miracles was when God healed our son Michael. Uh, hmm. and I won't go into detail on this. But he healed Michael and from a horrible head injury when he was, what, five years old or something. Um, and, uh, and he healed Michael with just a simple prayer that Ann and I prayed over him while in the doctor's office. And bam, he changed. He's perked up. He was just back to his, you know, his typical self. Doctor came back in and said, well, something's different here. I mean, I, I just wow. noticed it was just changed. And, you know, for Jesus to do that, that's nothing. 
But for Jesus to do that through Robin Ann, that's a greater work because yeah. he had to work through a lot of junk in me to get that done in the first place. And he did it. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's, I didn't mean to get personal there. <laughs> Just stream of consciousness. <laughs> well, that's what this is about, right? Like, yeah, I, I love the two aspects of that, like greater as in greater number and then greater as in a lesser vessel. Yes. Well said. Yep. And so, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And, and it gives me, it encourages me that when my, when my heart and my life is yielded to Jesus, then he can use me to glorify him. Yes. Yes. In the, in the examination room, when I, when you prayed over your son, you know, in, you know, I'm just thinking of a couple of different conversations I had with people when I just thought, I don't know what I'm going to say about, you know, in this situation, how can I explain to someone my reasoning who doesn't know Jesus (laughs) and, and, and the Holy spirit giving me the words in order to bring him glory um, in that moment. Like nobody prayed to receive Christ in that moment. um, But I don't know what change was brought about as a result of it. And it might've just been changing me, my willingness to be hum, to be the Holy Spirit's vessel in that moment. Yeah. And you're nailing it right now, Michelle. It's, it's your willingness to be the Holy Spirit's vessel. That is the word I would use. There is surrender. Mm-hmm. And that's not a fatalistic surrender. Okay, fine. You have it your way. You know, it is a, wow, I don't need to fight this. I don't need to work the angles. I don't need to try to manipulate this in any way. It's Jesus in the garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but thine be done. You know, that's the beautiful thing. Jesus says, Jesus says, if it's possible to take this cup from me, please do that. So there's this sense of here's the petition, but here's the reality, not my will, but thine be done. Mm-hmm. So there, there's, there's a sense of holding on and letting go. And in the letting go, uh, I talked about this on Sunday, it's surrendering to love. And most of my Christian life was spent in willful obedience. I can do this. I will do this. I will ratchet this down. I will tighten this up. I will do better on that. I don't know if I did good enough over there. And coming to grips with um, what I like to think of the river as God of God's love, I can get set on the side and an eddy just spinning around, you know, just you know, like a leaf spinning around in a current. Or I can, I can choose to surrender, to go out into the center of the current, get picked up by the mighty flow of God's love, and find myself being carried along, not trying to tread water, just floating there. And mm. wow, things are happening. Things are moving. And it's yeah. not because of anything I've done. It's that surrender. It's yielding to the work of the Spirit in that time out of a sense of gratitude and love instead of a sense of obligation and duty. I love that. I told the community group on Sunday morning, like, I need every time you say it, I need to hear it again. Mm. <laughs> it's not willful obedience. It's willing surrender. And I love that image of the eddy swirling around, which I, I can just get into my head so much and just <laughs> swirl and swirl and swirl and swirl. 
um, instead of surrendering and letting the love of God flow. Or, or, or uh, what did it say? Uh, allowing, allowing the love of God to, to carry me into obedience. Yeah, to carry me into obedience. And, and the offshoot of that is you don't let your heart be troubled. You know, you find yourself, and you know, we didn't get into this, but it's in verse 27 or somewhere around there. My peace I leave with you. Mm-hmm. My shalom I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So don't let your heart be troubled. Don't be afraid. You know, um, I, 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 I release it. Mm-hmm. And when I release it to the Lord, um, there is a, the, the troubling in my soul disappears and a peace comes in that is beyond understanding. The peace that passes comprehension guards our hearts and minds of Christ Jesus. Philippians um, 4. Yes. There you go. You know that one. I do. That one I know. <laughs> <laughs> so you know a lot. But it's, that's one of, I mean, that's a popular there's one that a lot of people know that for a reason because right. we need peace. You know, do not be yeah. afraid. Well, what is the call? I wish I had it with me. But um, Andy Heath read the passion um, uh, oh, translation. Yes. And it was beautiful, the 14.1 passion translation. Um, I don't think I have one here. Um, but it was, it was, it was, it was, it had, had to do with, don't be afraid, let go of it. And, uh, and just let, let yeah, release. It was like, release your fears, release your fears, trust in me. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, yeah. oh, that, yeah, that was, that was good. I don't, ha- I didn't write it down. So I don't remember exactly, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. Go to Bible gateway. I bet it's there. <laughs> I bet it is. We can all look it up at Bible gateway, the passion version of John 14, one. Yeah. Just some good words there. Well, Rob, thank you so much for your time today, for talking about, talking with me about releasing our fears and about doing greater works to God's glory, not our own. Um, And thank you to our audience. If you've joined us live on Facebook, or if you've joined us later on Facebook or on our blog or on our podcast, we are grateful for the few minutes that you spent with us in your busy day. All right. Yes, indeed. Thank you all for coming and being part of this and for uh, just, you know, the most important thing in Christian and spiritual growth is engagement with God's word. And what better way to do that than by continuing to talk about it in our homes and in our small groups and with our friends and in our churches to take God's word, to take Jesus's word and dig it down deep in our lives, engage with it to say, what does it mean to not be afraid? What does it mean to not worry? What does he mean by doing greater works and, and working it through? Because that is what God uses his living word to change our hearts. So there we go. Amen. Amen. <laughs>